0: Happy Pi Day, everybody. Welcome to the Black and Cold Banneret Podcast. You knew I was going to bust that out. Uh, It is the middle of March. My name is Jeff Sharon alongside Eric Lopez. And uh, coming to you live, well, not live in a recorded fashion, from uh, Memphis, Tennessee, Brian Murphy. How's the weather up up on Beale Street, Murph?
1: Well, I I was going to find out for myself because I was going to go trekking on Beale Street tonight. But there is a massive squall line about to pass through here as we record. So I am all bundled up in the glorious, pretty Motel 6, about six minutes of drive away from the beautiful FedEx Forum, uh, ready for basketball, ready for sports.
0: Let's do this. Let's do this. It is the week of the American Athletic Conference Men's Basketball Tournament. We'll be previewing that in the first part of the show. Lopez is not there. Um, He's back here in Orlando. How are you doing, Lopez? I know that uh, you were monitoring softball today.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. I'm just having withdrawals. You know, a year ago, this week, you know, I was hanging out with Murph at the Amway Center for the conference tournament. So I'm having a withdrawal. This is going to be weird, not having Murph next to me watching basketball, uh, watching Calvin Sampson. You know, loosen his tie and get rid of it and his there's jacket. A, I mean,
0: there was a great there was a great photo that showed up on the Getty database for Vox Media of uh, of the fo- in in the uh, photos of the UCF Houston game. Great photo of Sampson ripping off the tie. I got to get mean? that to you guys. I have to get that to you guys. All right. It's my new, it's my new wallpaper. This is, yeah, new profile. New profile pick. This is the uh, the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We are at blackandgoldbanneret.com. We are SB Nation's home for UCF sports. You can follow us there and at facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret and on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. You can follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, and spokes underscore. Murphy. Um, by the way, I apologize to those of you listeners listening to me right now. I'm actually getting over a cold, so that's why I sound like I have a cold because I have one. So uh, let's get that out of the way and dive right into UCF basketball, specifically uh, the men as they get ready to uh, as they get ready for the uh, American Athletic Conference uh, basketball tournament, which is held in their personal house of horrors uh, at the FedEx Forum in Memphis. The Knights uh, do get the first round by. Uh, and they will face the winner of the 5-12 matchup. The Knights ended up dropping to fourth in the uh, standings. Uh, and they will face the winner of the 5-12 game, which is which will be the home team, Memphis, or Tulane. Who Am I right on this, Murph? Tulane hasn't won a game in conference? You that's bet. Correct. Oh, golly. Well, this... So in
2: other words, it'll be Memphis,
0: folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's why they play the games. You never know. We should... We should
1: make a like a small bet here. Like, what do we have to do? Some sort of dare. What What do we have to do <laughs> if if Memphis actually does not win this game at right. home against a witness Conference team?
0: Oh, it would be great. Well, uh, well, considering the fact that Tulane lost their last game of the year at home on a buzzer beater at, at the hands of Wichita State, um, yeah. is bad enough. Tulane, but uh, yeah. or to, did I say Tulane? Uh, yeah, Tulane. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the reason why the Knights dro- ended up dropping to fourth and ended up dropping just out of the top 25 is uh is because they split their last two games of the year. They get the win against Cincinnati in uh in dramatic fashion, a tremendous win at home for UCF against the number uh 20 team in the country, 58 to 55. Excellent defensive effort down the stretch. Uh, but then you know, we talked about how rough this murderers row is going to be at the end of the season, right guys, these last four games. At South Florida, they won. At Houston, they won. Home for Cincy, they won, and then they lose the game at Temple on a very emotional night um, in Philadelphia. Uh, Fran Dunphy's last home game. Uh, it was senior night. Temple, obviously, um, on the bubble, much, much, much more so than UCF. Obviously, even after the Houston and Cincinnati game uh, for the Knights, and uh, and Temple's, you know, it was a close game throughout. But Temple ended up pulling away in the final minutes and getting the victory 67 to 62 so as the so the knights wrapped the regular season uh at uh, 23 and 7 overall 13 and 5 in the american um but gosh it would have been nice to get that last win uh at temple it looked like they had a shot in that game murph um you were watching as intently as ever as was i um it was just one of those things where it's not it's not a case where UCF lost the game. It's just Temple won the game. They had the emotional edge, and that pushed them over the top. But you know, sometimes those games can go a little bit different. Usually, I whenever I see a game like that, I'm thinking that the home team just comes out like gangbusters. But UCF played pretty well in this game. Are they going to rue losing this game at Temple, uh, where they are right now, where they may have to, may very well have to play Memphis in the first round or second round rather?
1: I mean, man, I don't think so. Uh, just because, like, you, you know, they're still they would they're gonna make the tournament, the NCAA tournament, either way. Even if they lose to Memphis, they're gonna avoid date and make the NCAA tournament. So I don't think they're gonna look back on this Temple loss and say like, "Wow, if only we should we we could have won that, things would be everything everything would be different." Like that's too far to accept way down the road. The game, the game was so emotional for Temple. And really, against a team in UCF that it had expended all of its emotion, you know, less than 48 hours prior. Yeah. Um, and Johnny Dawkins uh, was very clear. He doesn't want to make excuses, say that his team was tired and that they were worn down after that gauntlet stretch that you mentioned. Um, but he also, in, kind of in the same breath after the game, did talk about like how grueling the stretch has been for his team and that uh, they were not as sharp as they usually have been. Um, and that's, you know, and it, it doesn't take, you know, you don't need to be a genius to say that, yeah, there probably wasn't a sharp because they just were worn down. And it was a, you know, it, it was a game which I think you would expect them to lose. Now, the way they lost it with 18 turnovers, with everyone except Aubrey Dawkins shooting about 25% from the floor. Yeah. BJ Taylor, BJ Taylor throwing up two air balls on wide open shots and missing, uh, you know, baskets in the lane that he usually makes. Like, those are all sort of facets of a team that's tired and they were I, I, you know I don't think anybody should be afraid to admit that they were clearly tired yeah. on Saturday I mean except for Aubrey Dawkins who <laughs> coming out of his coming off his back injury and you didn't know if he was gonna play or not he scores 36 and goes nuts and has a career high and was unstoppable but other than that yeah, 36 uh, and
0: 11 by the way
1: yeah I mean he was literally he was just amazing uh, just didn't get any help anywhere else and used to, have to turn the ball over too much but I, I mean, it is what it is, and I, I don't think you know anyone's going to look back on that game and say that things would have been so much different if they had won. Yeah, they'd be they'd be the three seed, and not and not well, actually, they'd be the uh, they they would be the, the two seed. Wouldn't think Because Cincinnati lost.
2: Yeah, because Cincinnati uh, lost, so yeah, they right. I believe the scenario was there where they could have been the two seed. By the way, the tiebreaker system is a joke. Yeah, It needs to be abolished because the reason and and some, because some people are still kind of confused by this. To to clarify the reason temple wins the tiebreaker is because they uh, UCF lost to Wichita State and both teams played Wichita State twice even th- so even though UCF actually beat Cincinnati and Temple didn't because Temple only played Cincinnati once right and UCF played him twice that is nullified which is i think is a joke yeah. i think well
0: i i can see why i can see why they do that though right because it, it, you know it, you don't want to you don't want to have a situation where you're deciding a tiebreaker between common opponents, where one one team played that opponent on the road and the other team played that opponent at I, home. I get right. that. No,
2: but I I think there's a better formula, and you know Murph and I were at the teleconference on Monday. Uh, all the coaches in the league and Mike Oresco, the commissioner, spoke. It's a teleconference. It usually each person talks for about fifteen twenty minutes, uh, and everybody's there. And there was and I forget who it was, but there was a media person that kept asking everybody about. And I like this idea, whereas the tiebreaker should be based on the schedule strength within your conference. So, in other words, who played a tougher conference schedule, which clearly UCF did. And I actually like that formula. I think if you played it because you could, in a way, you could have the same record as another team but have a completely different schedule with the way these conferences expand. So, I think they should do it based on, if it's not, obviously, head-to-head should always be the first one. But if not, who had the stronger schedule strength? In the league, within the league,
0: yeah, and UCF yeah.
2: should have gotten the nod there.
0: But you mean like you is. would add up the total record of their opponents, yep. and then okay, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I get that. I, I think that's, I yep. think that's fair, but, but then you know it, you're going to have to have the conference actually implement that, which is the other, yeah, which and 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 it would be the right now. well, it would be the well. Remember, it's the coaches who actually, um, who would who would have the say on that in terms of the competition, sure. but. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, yeah, I do think UCF kind of caught a bad break here, but, I mean, it, it is what it is, especially, you know, after you play that game like they did against Temple. I wanted to go back real quick and just, you know, wax poetic about the Cincinnati game, too, because th- this felt like a game that UCF would lose where it was close like that, but they managed to pull it out, and they held Jaron Cumberland, who uh, was named the Conference Player of the Year this year, today, in fact, is that right? Uh, to 5 of 18 from the field. Um, meanwhile, B.J. Taylor was 8 of 19. And we talked about how big that Houston win was, but you could just as easily make the case that the Cincinnati win, uh, I don't know, what do you think, Murph, was probably, you know, uh, in terms of UCF's overall prospects for for the NCAA tournament, just as big.
1: Uh, there's no doubt that, well, they had, I mean, they had to win at least one to have a chance, right? either mm-hmm. Houston or Cincinnati. If they, if they lost both, they wouldn't be in the tournament. Getting one of them uh, pretty much put them, I'd say, on the bubble at the, at the very least, and then getting both of them locked them in. It, it basically made the results of Temple and this tournament that we're going to play mute from a sense of whether or not they're in the tournament, Mm because they're in the tournament regardless.
0: All right, so that takes us to Memphis now. First round's going to be Thursday. Remember, the top four teams in the American get a bye. So uh, it's going to be all day Thursday, four games in that preliminary round. UCF does not play. They get the extra day off, um, and you will get the chance to see who they play at 3 p.m. Eastern time on ESPNU on Thursday. That's when Memphis takes on Tulane. Uh, again, a home game for Memphis here at the FedEx Forum. UCF plays the winner of that game at 2 p.m. on Friday on ESPN2. The quarterfinals on Friday, the first two of them will be at noon and 2 on ESPN2. The second the second half of the quarterfinals will be uh, at 7 and 9 Eastern on ESPNU. So Houston is the top seed, obviously, and should UCF get through... Um, the, uh, should should UCF get through that game against either Memphis or Tulane, again, likely Memphis, they would play the winner of Houston against the winner of game one, um, which is USF and UConn. So two teams that, um, that, that obviously UCF has handled before, but obviously we're talking about Houston here. You might get another crack at Houston if you get to the semifinals, which would be Saturday, uh, in the mid afternoon with the championship game on Sunday, uh, at 315 on ESPN um let's take the worst case scenario here mm-hmm. and say UCF loses in their true way to, <laughs> That'd be the worst that would be case yeah scenario. you're right you're right Fair point that's the worst case scenario um but let's let's take the second worst case scenario and UCF loses to Memphis um mm-hmm. in that opening game in the quarterfinals. Right now, as I look at BracketMatrix.com, my favorite site in the whole wide world, um, UCF is a high eight seed, uh, average seed of eight, 8.13 in 112 brackets. Um, their highest seed is five. Their lowest is a 10 um, as of right now. They're right around Louisville, Iowa. Uh, above them is Louisville, Iowa State, Cincinnati, and Wofford, who's a conference champion. Uh, and then right below them are VCU, Iowa, Oklahoma as the other eight seeds. Do we see them standing pat at eight, maybe dropping? Where do we see them going at this point?
1: At worst, they're ten. It's not that it's a big deal, but at worst, they're ten if they're one and done.
0: Okay, what do you think, Eric?
2: I think they're in that, yeah, I kind of agree with Merv. They're in eight to ten. Here's the thing. I actually, I think UCF's caught a right. I know everybody's negative about the Memphis draw and all that, but if they lose to Memphis, Memphis uh, and Murph can correct me on this. I believe they're like 50
1: now in the net, right, ranking-wise? Like, well, we'll pull it up you know they're here. Ju- they're just outside
0: of Atlanta. last. 50, 52. 53. Correct. 53 as of right 53. now.
2: Correct. So that's a quality game. Like, that's a quality game uh, the quad, from that standpoint.
0: It's a quad two game. Quad two. Does, does, it right. count, does it count as a neutral site game?
1: Yes. Oh, that's a bummer. Because no, the then, game, the games are hosted by the conference, not the
0: schools. Right, but, but yeah, anyway, go ahead. Sorry. But, yeah, no, I, I, but I
2: think it's a quality game. So if UCF loses that game, nobody's going to punish UCF because of that. It's yeah. like, oh, of course they lost at Memphis. I actually think there's more pressure on Temple, for example, because they're playing Wichita yeah. State. Yeah. And I think – and I'm going to call it right now. I think Wichita State upsets Temple, and I'm going to tell you why. I think Wichita State's going to have the home crowd advantage there the other break UCF catches is that Memphis game potentially is a Friday afternoon game, not a Friday night game. I don't know if it will be as packed as it would have been if it was an evening session game. So I actually, oh. and, and, and the other thing is, and this might sound crazy, some people believe I, you know, you know, that you're better off losing early in the conference tournament and get rest for the NCAA tournament than make a run all the way to Sunday, let's say. And then all of a sudden you have to get a quick turnaround. You play Thursday and you come out maybe not as fully sharp.
0: Now, I you know, don't know if I buy that.
2: Some people, I mean, that that's the theory well, out there.
1: I'm not saying I Tel- agree with it. Kelvin Sampson talked about that during the during the teleconference on Monday. Yes, Kelvin yes. Sampson was saying that if you win your conference tournament, which usually ends on a Sunday for these major conferences or Saturday, but if you win your conference tournament, you should not have to start playing the NCAA tournament until till Friday. I, think, I do think that that's fair.
0: Thursday. I do think he's yeah. right about that. I think that's fair, but... Um, I don't know if it's if if these teams are coming in gassed really. I mean everybody's gassed at this point in the season, right? Some people think
2: Cincinnati was last year when they blew a lead against Nevada in the second round. Now is that an excuse? Probably, but I'm just saying that theory is out there <laughs> uh out there. So I mean take it for whatever it's worth. So I think UCF's in a good spot actually uh from that standpoint. I don't think they're in a, I don't think they're in a uh, in a bad situation here because I think they got everything to gain. I think if they win against Memphis and let's say they pull an upset against Houston, they could actually move up to maybe even a six seed, uh, you know, depending on the week they have. I think if they lose to Memphis, I think they're, I think they stay in that eight nine range. I think the only scenario where they drop a couple of seeds is if you know they lose to Tulane, and then quite frankly, they would deserve to drop a couple spots if you lose well, to Tulane.
0: I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it a different way. Um, if they if they lose and let's say they drop to a ten, I would say that actually helps UCF and here's why yeah you're in the 8-9 who do you get in the second round a one you're getting a one unless you're, unless you're yeah, Virginia, I, I, I don't I, I don't buy that I don't buy I, I that I totally agree I totally
1: I just, agree
0: I'd rather I just, face a two than a one you, I don't I think it, they're interchangeable
1: no they're not I like history says they're not interchangeable yeah because a two always a two always loses the second round somewhere a 1 is much tougher to beat in the round of 32 it's just history of the tournament like you always see at least one two getting knocked out in the first weekend it always happens your odds are much higher I, of advancing to 16 as a 7 or a 10 than an 8 or 9
2: i normally agree with that i just don't i think virginia is a fraud and I think
0: Gonzaga's
2: oh. so. I, I oh. personally, I think those one seeds are fraud. Fraud. They're very overrated, and they could be oh. knocked out in the second Eric, round. Eric, oh.
0: dropping, Eric dropping the f I, word fraud on the. Oh my god! Oh they
2: god. are. Did we not Ooh. see Virginia last year? How
0: they that's performed? last year, man. You don't think they're and pissed? You, it's the same Gotta, narrative. It's the
1: same narrative that Villanova had forever. Like, right. They can't win the tournament until they won the tournament. here say that. I didn't say, that. Here, here's I didn't say what,
2: that. What I'm saying is, I don't think there's a huge gap. From a one seed to a two seed, like you're telling me, you'd rather play, let's say Tennessee than play Gonzaga? No, yes. I don't
0: think there's a yeah, for sure. yeah, I would, yeah. Would. Give me yeah. a give me a weak me SEC a pretty- champion, I'll take it anyway. Like
1: I mean, look, like Tennessee's great, like No, Tennessee great. Like in in terms of UCF, it'd be a really tough matchup because when you've got Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams inside, that's really tough for them to bang up and against those guys. Like Taco can't stop Admiral Schofield. He's- He's too athletic, but I would much rather face them with their backcourt players than Gonzaga, who can hurt you at every spot on the floor. Last time they shot really poorly against St. Mary's, but Gonzaga has a score everywhere on the floor. Or Virginia, who is just a bloodletting defense. Like if they if UCF played Virginia, first of forty probably wins that game.
0: Yeah, I, I don't
1: UCF know. UCF
2: matches up well with them. I do. I really do. We just now I will be. I will say this. I think Murph makes a point. I think the tournament's about matchups, regardless of what seed you are. Because you could get the favorable seed in the first round, second round, but if you have a bad matchup, it doesn't matter. I, I, I just don't think there's that big gap that there used to be in men's basketball. I think anybody can beat anybody. If you don't play well – look, this team's proven it this year, right? I mean, this is the same team that lost to FAU, so let's not act like, oh, well, they're, they're about to be better off as a 10. Well, you don't know who the seventh seed might be. They could get knocked out in the first round very easily. So oh, I, I don't know if – I don't know if it's a big benefit to be a 10
0: or an 8 or well, a 9. I think
2: in women's basketball, it's a more legitimate case than in men's well,
0: basketball. Well, here we are catting our chickens before we've hatched, obviously. There's a lot of basketball still to be played. but we, we, um, We've moved on
1: to the Sweet 16. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're already
0: <laughs> re, we're already booking our tickets to the Final Four mm-hmm. here. But anyway, um, Murph, you, uh, you did manage to get a hold of uh, Johnny Dawkins during the teleconference. Is that right?
1: Yes, I did. And I uh, asked him about what impressed him most. Uh, with this really great season for UCF, and whether or not they've learned anything from their previous game here at Memphis, which was back in late January, what what was the most impressive part of the regular season that you had, to, in, in your opinion? Uh, I,
3: I think the, the, the final stretch uh, was was the most impressive. We knew coming down uh, the stretch the last five or six games that we'd be playing, you know, some in some amazing environments. We'd be playing against you know teams that at that point where you know, at the top of the league. So including your rival, which is always going to be an amazing game. We played them on the road. Uh two games versus Cincinnati during that stretch, Houston during that stretch, Temple at Temple during that stretch as well. Uh and just our guys the way that the resilience they showed during that time. I mean, we needed everybody to to step up and perform. And, uh, and they did that. So I always remember kind of how we finished the season out.
1: With the the seniors on this team do you feel like there is maybe an added edge to them going into this conference tournament, knowing that this is their last time at a shot at a conference championship? Um, do you feel like there's a bit, of, a bit more extra fire in them uh, heading into Memphis?
3: Well, we, we should be excited. You know, we have an, another opportunity to compete again. It's, it's, it's got a conference tournament and, you know, and a great conference. I think you know, all of our guys will be excited, and especially our they Like you said, this is their last one. And I'm sure they want to you know, go in there and, and perform well.
1: You guys probably—I mean—you don't want to look ahead to to seeing if you guys play Memphis or Tulane, but most likely playing Memphis in that second round on Friday. You you you—it would be like a road game, really. And you guys already played them this year. Um, do, you know, what did you learn from that experience in Memphis the first time that you could possibly use when you might see them again on Friday?
3: Well, that was so long ago, I can't recall. I mean, we're gonna watch tape mm-hmm. and, and watch both teams this week. We're gonna see exactly who was is- who is, uh, you know, doing what now. Uh, teams are so different from that part of the season at home than they are at this time of the year. And uh, we need to do our homework on these on both teams, both Tulane and Memphis, in preparation. And uh, with Memphis, we know they're, they're a terrific team. They're, they're, they're a senior-laden team. They're playing a lot of seniors. Uh, they have terrific young players off the bench that are, that are, that are very talented. And, uh, and, and Coach Hardaway's done a really good job with this team. But, Other than that, you know, we need to just see uh, as as this week goes on and we prepare, but I know they're going to be excited. There's going to be a lot of energy in that building for them because they are are at Memphis, and uh, we we should expect the crowd to be, uh, you know, pretty one-sided. So, yeah, Johnny Dawkins
1: not really wanting to talk about that uh, game against Memphis because it was so long ago. Uh, However, I do have to think that there is some of that game that sticks in this team's crawl and the way they played it was probably their weakest effort. Uh, certainly in conference, their weakest effort of the year. Um, they just got they they just got run over out of the gate. And I, I do feel like that game, even if Gianni doesn't want to talk about it, really think about it. I think I think the players will think about that performance as they head into that game on Friday afternoon. So uh, we'll be interested to see what happens. I mean, I will say one thing. You talked about Jaron Cumberland winning the Player of the Year. Uh, that should motivate Jeremiah Martin. Uh, In front of on his home on his home floor, a guy who has scored forty points and a half this year, and uh, it's just uh, it can light it up from anywhere. I would not be surprised to see him go for forty tomorrow, or I should say, whenever you're listening to this today. Who knows? It's (laughs) Duane, and and he's going to be a man possessed because I feel like there's a lot of people who I think he believed it too, and a lot of people not only here in Memphis but outside in this conference, people who cover this conference. Believe that he had a, a more legitimate case for Player of the Year.
0: All right, so so let's wrap this segment up by I'll put both of you on the spot, Eric. I'll start with you. Uh, how far does UCF get in this tournament?
2: I uh, I see the semis. I think Houston's really good. Uh, that's It's a tall order to beat Memphis and Houston back to back days. I think Murph and I don't know what you think about this. I think the I'm curious to see Colin Smith and Deion Griffin in particular. We always talk BJ and Aubrey and taco but I think the the, the supporting cast like Dayon Griffin I thought was big in the Cincinnati win I think those guys how they step up because there's no days off here it's back to back to back I think those guys play a role here in how far UCF goes here if they get past Memphis yeah. and then going into Houston there and I think that's the thing I'm going to look forward to seeing as far as that'll determine I think UCF success so, how far they are not far they go in this
0: so, so you're saying semis against Houston and I'll throw one more at you what seed do they get on Sunday
2: um I'll say I'll say an eight or a nine. Uh, they'll be in the eight nine game.
0: Okay. All right. Uh what do you think, Merv? Yeah, I, I think they lose to
1: Memphis. Uh I mean people are gonna hate that, but the fact is that UCF in this building is three and seventeen all time. Ugh. This is dating this is dating back to like conference USA tournaments that were held here and, and other things. So uh yeah they 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 just have a hard time winning here I think they've won once at Memphis uh ever uh last year it's yeah right last year so and, and then you know you, I, I think you again I, I just think Jeremiah Martin is going to score forty to that end though I think the player to watch if you want to watch one of the guys who's not you know the the top three that we talk about uh, Terrell Allen is going to be so important on both sides of the floor yeah, because yeah. Memphis, Memphis is going to press they're going to press you full court. And you had a really hard time handling that last time. Terrell's going to be not much more. going to need to be much more poised this time around. And then secondly, uh, as their really, I would say, best perimeter defender right now, certainly in their back, certainly with their guards. Uh, I would see. I expect to see a, lo- a lot of him on Jeremiah Martin. Uh, you know, there's a size disadvantage there, there a little bit, but he's been really good at locking down elite scores recently. So I, I think him offensively handling the ball and then defensively uh is very important however i do think memphis wins this game and i think ucf probably comes into sunday as a
0: 9 okay all right i i, I seems
2: to, uh that's going to be interesting so you got them as a 9 even with the loss so you kind of feel that this loss even if they lose to memphis no effect
1: it's a quad two loss i mean it's not like a huge thing yeah. again if yeah. they're if, i would be i would be if they, if they lose and they're an 8 i'd be surprised if they, if they right. lose and they're a t- if they lose, there are ten. I would not be surprised at all.
0: All right, rapid fire, real quick. How many American teams get into the tournament? Four. Four. Okay. But so but, you'd have Temple in. But,
1: but, but, but Temple better. Temple better be the winner of ECU Wichita State.
0: Yeah, and then I mean, and who, I, and, who and, knows and, what and happens with Memphis? Be, yeah, yeah, Memphis right.
2: could they could play themselves into this, right? I right. mean, they got UCF then potentially Houston, and then all of a sudden they're on there on Sunday.
0: They beat they beat uh, UCF and they Houston. They beat UCF and Houston back to back. Like that's going to really make it tough. Honestly. Yeah, I
1: mean, Memphis Memphis lost two games at home all year. They lost to Cincinnati and Tennessee when Tennessee was third in the nation. They've scored eleven more points at home than on the road or neutral sites this year. Now that's a little less in like in conference. It's not. To, it's not just a widespread. I think a conference. They went away like two more points per game, but still. Uh, even Penny Hardaway on Monday was admitting like they're a different team at home. Everyone knows they're a different team at home. And even with the three, the two thirty start on Friday afternoon, I'm pretty certain that the city is going to come out for this tournament and this team.
0: All right. If so if you're a
2: temple, if you're a temple fan, you better root against Memphis because I could see the scenario where if Memphis wins the tournament or even gets to the final and Temple they could loses knock
0: Temple early... out. Yeah.
2: Uh huh. I agree, and I'm telling you. I'm booking it right now. Murph, you and I saw that Wichita fan nation there take over the Amway Center last year. Yeah. If they show up in droves in Memphis, that's going to be a home game for Wichita State that night against Temple. And that could be an upset. And, and they might be sweating it out on Sunday. But I do. I'm going to stick with four teams. That's an I eight
0: hour play. drive, by the way, Wichita to Memphis. I'm just saying. Yep. So, and it's you got to go. Th-
1: it's, a lo- it's a longer drive from Wichita to Orlando, and it didn't stop them.
0: <laughs> it's fair <laughs> point. Yeah, and they got to go through Tulsa too. All right, so uh, again, a reminder: UCF is playing the winner of Memphis against Tulane uh, on Friday at two p.m. on ESPN oh, two. Tulane. And remember, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that be something if Tulane did that? No wins in the yeah, conference here, and they beat Memphis. Memphis
1: I know, off. right? If Tulane, just... if Tulane wins, we need to have an emergency podcast because we need to reset <laughs> this game completely again. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're right. We and, we and we need to bring on Fear the Wave blog to talk about it too. Um, yeah. three three p.m. Uh, by the way, Thursday three p.m. on ESPNU. That's when you can catch Memphis and Tulane, and the winner of that game would face uh, UCF on Friday. All right, take a quick break. When we come back. We'll talk women's hoops in the American uh, Conference uh, in the American Athletic Conference tournament, getting all the way to the final and playing Gino and UConn, and uh, Gino getting a little testy with Coach Abe after the game. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here. Talk a little women's hoops for UCF now as uh, the Knights, for the first time in, uh, in, in school, or, or in not in school history, but for the first time since joining the American, made it all the way to the American Athletic Conference championship game uh, where they faced uh, UConn. And, well, let's just say it, w- it wasn't as bad as I thought it could be. So UCF beat Tulsa. And then Cincinnati in games where they pulled away in the fourth quarter um, in both their first two games. And then, I mean, you're facing the, you know, I mean, I mean it's, it's you know, if people say, oh, they're the UConn. They're the Yukon of the whatever, right? Well, now you're facing UConn. So uh, UCF loses the game. Um, 66-45 was the final. But, uh, hey, the Knights got to pull home some second place hardware, which we saw some of that. They finished at 26-6. and um, in, uh, it, with three of those losses coming to Connecticut, um, and two of them within the state of Connecticut, I might add, uh, KK Wright did not have a good game in that game. They, they I mean, Connecticut just does Connecticut things. They shut her down. Uh, no Katie Lou Samuelson for the Huskies because she's nursing a back injury. They're going to be a number one seed. They might be the no- overall number one, either them or Notre Dame. We don't know just yet. But, um, nonetheless, UC- you see, or, or Baylor. Yep. Could be Baylor. Um, but let's let's pour one out here for Coach Abe and the team here, because my sense from watching them after the game, during the latter portion and after the game, um, you know they were down what was what is it, Eric forty five to nineteen at the half, and in the third quarter it was it was an eerily similar game to the one that was here in Orlando last year, don't you think? Because. Even though UCF fell down, they had only five field goals in the first half. In the second half, they were were 13 of 26 from the field, 50%. They held UConn to 10 of 26 from the field in the second half. And they didn't... I mean, I hesitate to say that they made a game out of it. But they kind of kept pace with UConn. To to a certain extent, I would say outscored him by five in the third. Um, we're outscored only by two in the fourth, and they didn't let it get to the point where you're like, oh man, this is just a total total whitewashing. Um, now, after the game, this is where things got a little interesting. <laughs> um, in the handshake line, and there's video of this, and 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 we we posted some of it on our Twitter account. In the handshake line, Gino Oriyama was seen clearly saying something in a sort of testy manner to Coach Abe as they passed each other. Um, he was clearly not happy with how uh, with how UCF ended the ended the game, where they you know UCF was kind of pressuring UConn's players a little bit. Um, forced a couple turnovers, and UCF got a couple of fast break baskets. Here's where I think the whole thing kind of got off the rails a little bit. Now, you you got the sound from the postgame sound from both of them, right, Eric? Oh, yeah,
2: I watched it. Yep, I watched it uh, once I heard about it. And I knew this was coming because I saw – see, this is to, to clear the – because I think some people don't know the full story here. This is what happened because I watched it live when it happened. There was about forty-five seconds, I would say, forty-seven seconds, something to that, left in the game. So Geno subs in all his players. He brings in all the yeah. He
0: brings players. in like Michaela Combs and Molly Bent and Kyla Irwin right. and you know because he was basically right. playing a six-person rotation throughout the game. Um, yeah, he had three players who played one minute. He played he played a total of six players because Samuelson was out. Anyway, go ahead.
2: So yeah, this he subbed them in around. It was in the 45 to 49 second mark. I don't remember the exact time, but it was around that time frame. And then they inbound the ball, and UCF traps the player uh, to the point. And it, this was a 23 point game at the time. And the UConn got player got fouled because UCF was trying for a steal. You know, but they trapped. And I see in the this is God love HD TV. <laughs> I see Geno. In the background absolutely staring down at the UCF uh, bench and screaming and you could hear Adam Amin my good friend and Rebecca Lobo they stopped because they were thrown off and it's like oh and they see Gino there barking and you could see the assistant coaches for UConn had to restrain him. so this was legit like he's ticked and and even Rebecca Lobo is like well he's upset because of the trap um, and Adam Amin, he's like, well, this game's kind of out of hand. It's a 23 point game. So you could tell there. And then you mentioned the handshake after the game was over. There was a very quick handshake, very quick handshake. You could tell he was not in the mood. And then, uh, yeah, uh, the post game, uh, this was the last question of the press conference. This was right after he just went off on a rant about all the people that complain that they play in Albany in the region. I was like, why don't you put a bid in if you have a problem with it, basically? <laughs> and we win. So someone asked him right after he was just fired up about that about what happened at the handshake line. It's just typical women's basketball bullshit, <laughs> you know? We clear our bench, we put our subs in, all of a sudden there's a trap in the air court. You haven't trapped us one time the whole the whole game. It's just dumb. It's just dumb.
1: It's just dumb. My guys are just hoping that they don't dribble the ball off their foot. Now you're going to trap them. <laughs> that is what it is. I coach my team, nobody else's.
2: So there's Gino Huh. uh not happy with that uh p- typical i wish that was not the last question of women women uh, of the presser cuz i would have liked to have followed up with the question like so gina what else is typical women's
0: basketball can you clarify uh, that that really yeah that i don't <laughs> i you know kind of like the the you can hear the emotion coming out of it i don't think he meant to say that i don't think he meant it to come out the way he did but that's a that's a crappy thing to say Nothing,
1: nothing, like, nothing like the face
0: coach of the entire sport putting down the sport. The, the, the whole um, sport. Anyway, and yeah. co- now Coach Abe had her – well, it wasn't a response because I think she went first. Is that right, Eric?
2: Yeah, she went first, and, and, and actually, I saw her response. She basically said she didn't know what it was about. They're just playing basketball. And her goal, as you kind of alluded to when you recapped the game, was they wanted to make sure that the girls had fun and they played UCF basketball there in the second and the second half, and she was proud of them.
4: Um, you know, I think this game was just really uh, an exciting, fun, um, you know, great situation for us. I mean, this team, these seniors, uh, have never been into the championship game of the American Conference, and it's a great accomplishment. And we wanted to just come in here and, you know, just play UCF basketball, have fun, you know, just. Um, enjoy this moment. I mean, because we have never been here before and what we've accomplished this year, UCF has accomplished this year and our our players and our seniors. Three years ago, our seniors had only won seven games and now they're in the championship uh, of the America Conference. So how could I not be so proud of them? I wanted them to enjoy every moment, enjoy last night and enjoy, enjoy today, enjoy the environment, enjoy you know, being in the American Conference Championship and I, it, was, it was great to see our players had a great time.
2: So that's Coach Abe on that. Now, that, I think a few things about that last sequence, and, and it's funny because I actually had to address this same topic on the softball podcast I host in The Circle. It comes out Mondays, Thursdays, cheap plug. Um, <laughs> because there's been a, a controversial this week because a softball player hit a home run and she did a backflip. Which now, and so the big thing is, well, geez, is that right? Is that a right thing or a wrong thing? It's basically the same conversations that we've had in Major League Baseball that Murph's quite familiar with about the bat flip. Is an, un- an unwritten rule that you don't do that? You do that. And I think in basketball, there is an issue. With, and again, well, how do you finish a game? What is the, hey, if you take out your players, you know, do you not trap? And that's, and that's what he was upset about. That was what Gino was upset. It's like, why are you trapping my backup players? I took out my starters with 45 seconds left. This game is over.
0: As as though his backup players don't know how to dribble yet, which I think is really but, hilarious. They're all five stars for crying out loud. Give me a break.
2: But the point is, I there is a, a sense there. And, and this has happened in men's basketball this well, year. There was it, an incident a, in Lubbock.
0: It, it is a breach of the code between coaches. I can Correct. see where he's coming from for there. Yeah,
2: Correct. And well, this is not just a – I mean, this has happened in men's basketball. There was an incident in Lubbock this year where uh, Chris Beard put in his walk-ons. They're blowing out Baylor. Baylor's playing back. Basically, everybody's got their backup players. The game is over. It's like a 30-point game. Mm -hmm. And the walk-ons decided, hey, because the crowd, every time the walk-ons, they want to encourage him to shoot, shoot, shoot. So the kid, the walk-on drives to the hole, throws a lob. They throw the dunk. The building goes crazy. Chris Beard goes crazy. Literally makes the walk on as the buzzer sounds, walk over and apologize to Scott Drew at Baylor about that. And then, so my point is, there is a, in basketball, there are coaches that believe that once you take out your players, once this game is settled, that is kind of, hey, that's it. Let the guard, we're, we're letting the dogs out. Don't, you know, let's just play the run out the clock, yada, yada, yada. There are other coaches, and I think Abe qualifies, and I think she would tell you, is we're playing to the last minute. And I think Abe's message here, And you brought it up. I think the whole point of the second half is let's feel good about ourselves leaving this arena. Let's not lose confidence of what we're doing because we're going to be in the NCAA tournament regardless of this game, and I don't want to lose confidence in this game. So she's trying to – I think that's the message she was sending to her team. But that is, I think – and I could tell you if I had to poll, I think the majority of the coaches in college basketball would have actually probably sided with Geno, just not with the language.
0: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't know where I come down on this on whether because uh, the other thing is with Gino is you know you're always gonna get every team's best shot, right? So I get if if you feel like it's a breach of the unwritten rules between coaches about, you know, when I call the dogs off, you call the dogs off and we just play out the string. But by the same token for him to get that upset over that, I don't think. I I think that his his response overdrew what was merited at that point. Like, if you're that ticked about it, say I mean you're Gino freaking Oriama for crying out loud. You know, you if you're that ticked about it, you say you stand back and say, hey, okay, all right, let's see what happens next year when we come to your building. Let's see. Well, you know what a, I mean?
2: That, that's an interesting that's a good point you make and I do wonder if part of this because you know I used to hear this with Michael Jordan you just create this you probably overblow this just for that reason you just said I wonder if a part of me says he, he wanted to make that statement he did that on purpose so that next year when these two teams play he can remind his players and say look what they tried to do yeah. and use this as motivation I, it sounds silly but a lot of these so great they're not
0: going to let played. us they're not going to let up on us so you don't let up on them
2: exactly and that's a great point you make. And I think that's really, really, if we get down to the, if we if we put Gino inside of a room in a truth serum, were you really that bothered by this? He probably would say no. I think he was planting the seed for motivation for next year uh, in that regard. And, I, you know, and then that's, I think, part of it. Because, I mean, I remember Phil Jackson, you know this, Jeff, when he was the coach of the Lakers. How many times would he make a big deal about officials and stuff? And, he, and coaches sometimes have agendas. Yeah,
0: they're playing the long game. Down the road. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And I think so. that's really a big part of this. I do. Uh, and I don't have a problem with, by the way, for the record, what Abe did. Because, again, I think her goal was to make sure her team felt confident and felt good about themselves leaving that building going into the NCAA tournament. The last thing you wanted, and you made a good point, the last thing you want is leave that building shell-shocked and like, oh, my goodness, we just, right. you know, we just not that good. And I think that, I think she made it very clear she wanted her
1: team to feel good about themselves, and they did.
0: Murph, what do you? Where do you fall on this whole calling off the dogs thing?
1: Well, I do want to point out that as as Eric tried to say calling off the dogs, he said letting the dogs out. Which Who is let the dogs out? Vlog for the Baja man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I just I had to. I, I just, that's really the highlight of the podcast <laughs> for me. Uh, I, no, this is like this is like extraordinarily petty, right? Like it's just so petty. I kind of get. I'm I'm even on the I'm so like I'm so like left wing, uh, libertarian on this sort of thing. Like I'm totally okay with like guys dunking when they're up by thirty. Like I'm totally cool with that. And what are you supposed to do?
0: You have an open layup.
1: Like yeah, and like look, if the other team wants to stop them, stop them. Play defense. Like who cares? Um. So like, and this is like even worse because like okay, I kind of get the point of like, look, we've already won. We're up by thirty we have the ball we're not going to rub it in your face even more and 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 try to like really show off on you all right but uh, for the team that's trailing if they want to trap or press a little bit all of a sudden you're offended by this 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 gets your sensibilities all out of whack like you, again like eric said like and you guys have said like these guys are all five star recruits they're playing too. Wouldn't they want to compete as well and try to like break that press? I mean, wh- why is this such a big issue? It's I, not. The, the fact is, it's not a big issue. Geno thinks it is, but that doesn't mean we have to agree. And I think we don't. And even if I didn't support UCF, I'd have the same. I'd have the same viewpoint. This is petty. This is Gino being extremely petty. This is UCF playing a basketball game till the end, and that's all we should care about. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: All right, two, well, I agree, thing, two things. I, 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 yeah. I what was. It, what was the quote from Napoleon? In order to display true greatness, you have to be willing to display true, great pettiness. Um, but uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. I think that the contract, you know, that unwritten contract, if you will, is I pull. I pull my starters. You pull your starters. But from that point, when it's backups against backups, it's it to me. It should be basically fair game at that point, right? Whatever, whatever happens, happens, and 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 Abe well, played it right, that way, right. you know. Well, and let's now, not, now let's if it was not, if it was UCF starters not, pressing UConn's backups, I would agree with Geno, right? But it wasn't, right. So anyway, you were saying, well, Eric. Let's I'm not, sorry.
2: And let's not lose and let's not lose fact: college coaches are egos, have big egos, and let's be honest, Geno got a big ego. Oh, yeah, cute. and they're control freaks, and they're control freaks. To Murph's point, I don't. You guys you know, the joke. College coaches want to control every possession. Every situation, and I think that's part of this, not just in this situation, but what Murph's talking about with the Texas Tech situation. There was an incident in Conference USA with Old Dominion and UAB where a UAB player in the final seconds went up for a layup. He missed it, and the Old Dominion coach, Jeff Jones, went after the UAB head coach about that, and they almost got into a fist fight. Um, and so it, it's it's an interesting deal there. Let me ask you this, Jeff, because you mm-hmm. and I talked about this off the uh, during the weekend. We both felt strongly that Coach Ape should have been the coach of the year in the conference. Um, you look at her resume, what the, she's done this year. All three years they've exceeded expectations. They were picked fourth in the league. They finished second. Her resume this year was similar to Jose Fernandez's resume last year when he won coach of the year. Finished second in the league. Um, clear cut. And yet she didn't get the vote. Uh, which was head scratching to me. Do you think, Jeff, that this does she inint- unintentionally, like a situation like this, does she ruffle some feathers? Or because coaches vote for coaches, oh the yeah, year. and that's why maybe she hasn't gotten the coaches of the year because some of these other coaches that, quite frankly, should be more more worried about carrying their own weight, uh, maybe uh, maybe they they'll, they they are oh, Well, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to. I'm not going to vote for her because you know the way they play or this or what blah blah blah. blah. Do you think that played a role in why she didn't win Coach of the Year? Because I think she should have won Coach of the Year. I I, think it was outrageous. I think
0: she should have won Coach of the Year. I mean, from the same token of, you know, did Gina Auriemma and UConn really outpace expectations this year? I would say no. In fact, you
2: could
0: could make the argument that they actually failed to meet expectations. I, I know they have two losses, but how many years are we used to seeing UConn come in with Undefeated or maybe one loss, right? UCF clearly exceeded their expectations. They were picked what fifth in the league?
2: Fourth.
0: Fourth. Okay, finished finished in second. Uh, finished the season with uh, <clears throat> with twenty six wins in thirty two games. They're going to the tournament. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know what more Coach Abe can ask for. And you and I had that argument on Twitter about KK. Right? You know, is she if if the leagues. Player of the Year award, were called the most valuable player. You know, is KK Wright the most valuable player on her in the American? I would argue yes. You would argue no. That's fine. We can agree to disagree. And it's not. Oh, way I mean,
2: it's not. I'm not a knocking cake. I think KK is a great player, but I right. I just believe that well, like the best Nafisa, player. Nafisa, is Nafisa Collier's. A
0: valuable, yeah, well, valuable. Nafisa Collier and Katie Lou Samuelson are the two best players in the in 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 the conference, and there's. No real debating that as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Coach Abe deserved to get the Coach of the Year award. It's disappointing that she didn't. I would have loved to have seen how the voting broke down. I would be interested to see also how – I just – I'm really interested in – no one will ever talk about this, but I would be interested to know about the politics between the coaches when they go to those coaches' meetings in the offseason, you know – what coaches kind of ride Gino's coattails and what coaches are kind of standing on the other side saying, hey, look, you might, you know, think you're hot stuff, but, you know, we are also coaches in this league. Um, to what extent do the, are there camps, if you will? Um, I, I, I'm you know, sure coaches sorry. probably like there's no camps, but you know, I don't know about. Well, that. I had, and, and I
2: will say this too, because I've had this argument with uh, you know back with Coach Gillespie when she was the coach at UCF, because we had this argument you know about when coaches vote for the coach of the year. Like Renee <laughs> believed that if you win your league, you should be the coach of the year. You're going to vote because you did a great job leading your team to the champ, and I disagreed with it. Um, and I wonder if some of that is also hey. Gino is, you know, they, he won the league, so I'm going to vote for him. My only problem is you didn't vote for him last year. You voted for Jose Fernandez. And everything Abe did this year at UCF was exactly the same thing that Jose did last year. So what's the difference here? What is the difference here? It's unfortunate because I think that coaching staff did a heck of a job, a heck of a job with this program. And they talked about it on the broadcast. that The senior group here had seven wins when yeah. she wa- showed up. And now they're leaving as the winniest team in program history. She's done a remarkable job, and I wish she would have been rewarded for this job that she's done because it's a heck of a job that she's done. Uh, that And she, she she deserved that award, so I felt bad for her in that regard. Yeah,
0: And they're not done yet because as we look at the, nope. uh, uh, the RPI ranking, UCF is 15th in the country. Although Charlie Cream, the chief bracketologist on the women's side for uh, ESPN, has UCF as a wait for it. Ten seed, um, yep. facing Central. He has. A, he's predicting them going to Iowa City uh, to play Central Michigan, who would be the MAC champion. Um,
2: they played each other this year yep. already. Too. Yes, the they have. Season. Central Michigan. I hope they don't do that. I hate rematches. Right. Like, seriously, committee. I mean, I know, I never give committee credit because I don't think they're real bright. Um, like I can do their job pretty <laughs> easily. in um, oh, the sport, really? But like, please, it's not that hard to avoid rematches.
0: Well, uh, so well let's, so- let's see what else is available out in the Southeast, because they're thinking about, um, you know, you could do College Station Texas, for example, but um, he has Texas A&M as a four. Um, you could do well, Miami. Right. Well, here,
4: here,
2: here's the, well, that scene, you just stole my point. Here's the thing. It, it, will UCF be a 10 seed? Probably. I know people are talking about the RPI. Buffalo had a similar RPI last year. Than UCF and they were like an 11 seed. So just because they have a high RPI does not mean you're going to get a high seed, right? Um, for various reasons I don't want to get into, but whatever.
0: So let's say you thought UCF the men's success. tournament was screwed up when it comes to that. <laughs> you should well, I mean introduce you to the women's tournament. Okay, anyway, go right. ahead.
2: So let's say UCF is a 10 seed. Odds are they're going to be either in Iowa City because Iowa won the Big Ten and they're a seed. I think that's a good draw. By the way, I think Ape has ties to Iowa, she, uh, so uh, they could be in Louisville. Uh, which would I think would make sense geography-wise. I don't see them being sent, shipped out to Eugene or Stanford if those are the two seats. But you brought up an interesting point because last year in the women's tournament, there was a controversy on selection show. South Florida thought they had a shot to be a four-seed and host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Not only did they did not, they actually were a 6 seed. They dropped, and Jose Fernandez flipped out in the press conference after the selection show because he felt they dropped him to a 6 seed so they could bust him to Tallahassee basically, kind of the old, the old regional site thing, right? kind of like you see in baseball, soccer, and all that. So he was livid. It would not shock me, uh, Jeff, if they drop UCF to an 11 seed just so they can bust him to Miami, who would be a three seed, according to Charlie Cream. I would not be shocked by that.
0: And in that Miami pod, uh, Charlie has the three is Miami. They would play Florida Gulf Coast, the A-Sun champ at 14, And right now, he's got South Dakota State, the sixth uh, Summit League champion against uh, 11-seed Ohio. So, um, I don't know. We are going to find that out on um, Monday. Uh, The women's tournament begins on uh, Saturday. Is that right? Yeah. And remember, the women go Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to find out. We haven't heard anything on whether or not the teams are hosting a selection show, right? I know the men, I mean, who knows? They might still be in Memphis at that point, I think, right, Murph? Correct. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, we, I, we talked to uh, the SID, Dan Forsella, uh last week at football practice, and he said they weren't planning on it. But, uh, you know, when you have aspirations of being here until Sunday, uh, you don't plan on a, uh, a viewing party for the, for the tournament uh, selection show. But uh, if, does that change? Does that change if they lose to Memphis on Friday? I don't know. I look forward to asking Dan that question. He might, listen, <laughs> he might, be,
0: he might be listening to this podcast. So Dan, just plant the seed in your head. Well, if you're I think I, Dan.
2: well, I, I could see it. Just I think it depends on how far in the tournament. they Look, I mean, they're hoping. Hopefully, they're there with you, Murph, when they find out where they're going on Sunday.
1: Look, but, but I said I that. I, I I said it. I said it early this week. You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to be here till Sun through Sunday. So they might as well hang around with me because that'd be nice. All
0: right. All right. So uh,
1: women,
2: they have a week to figure it out, by the way. They have a week to figure it out. And I think they feel good about being in. I think, in fact, they talked about that on the broadcast. They should. They felt really good. And then they should. They should be in. By the way, if they're a nine seed, let's say they get bumped to a nine, they would not be placed in Albany because that's where UConn will be as a one seed. But they could be placed in a bracket where they play Notre Dame in the second round. Or they could be in Starkville against Mississippi State, or it could be in Waco against Baylor. So talk about the differences we talked about with the men. If they're a nine seed, let's say, they could be in Waco, Starkville, or um, oh. or South Bend, which would be yeah. rough. If they're a ten seed. They could be uh, in theory in Iowa City. They could be in Eugene for Oregon or Stanford or Louisville. Ooh. I think Louisville and Iowa are, are the ones in play there. But again, conspiracy theory Eric says don't be shocked if they drop them to an 11 so they can bust them to Miami. So,
0: so you're, so you're, ta- okay, who, who gets the higher seed, men or the women? Men. Mm. Brian? Men. Okay. I think
1: they're both, uh, yeah, men. All yeah. right.
0: All right. I'll hold you to that, guys. Um, what do you got? What do you got? I'm going to surprise Jeff, I'm going to go the Jeff other has made one, I'm going to go the other way. Prediction the entire show. I'm going to go the other well, you know, I I rely I rely on the predictions of experts like you two guys. Oh, please. Um, Jesus. I am going to go the other way. I'm going to say the I'm going to say the women surprise everybody get a higher seed than the men.
2: What's the number? What number are you predicting?
0: I'm going to put I'm going to say the women get a 9 and the men get a 10. Okay. So, women 9 men uh, 10. I,
1: I, 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 by the way, I know Eric doesn't want to hear this, but I'd be, I would really like it if men got a 10.
4: Because it's a lot easier.
0: <laughs> to win the second round. I agree. I agree. I would
1: like to do we to just the worry round. about the first
4: round, first?
0: That's also a good point. Um, all right. We're going to take another break. When we get back, we'll, uh, we'll dive in with some baseball and softball, and we'll catch you up on tennis uh, when we get back. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy uh, with you. By the way, how do you like our new little hosting setup here with uh, with SB Nation? The podcast is on every page. You literally can't hide from it. Um, got some new ads dropping in, which is really cool. So, um, so yeah, I wanted to thank the guys at uh, SB Nation um, for helping me out with that. Uh, Matt Brown and Joe Gennaro, um, thanks for their help in uh, onboarding us with the platform. It's been a blast. So, um, all right, we're going to wrap up the show by talking uh, baseball, softball, and tennis. Uh, first, we'll dive in with baseball, Brian Murphy. Um, two games uh, for UCF in the midweek uh, against Yale. They win them both, and that's after uh, dropping two out of three to Penn State. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, like, what do we what do we make of it? Now, I, I know that Penn State is coached by... Um, by uh, <laughs> Greg Lovelady's former boss uh, at yep. Wright State, um and he taught and uh, and he taught his Padawan a couple of lessons this past weekend. But um three and two on the week, I don't know, you tell me, what do we make of that?
1: Well, I will say this. Sunday was probably the testiest. I think we we've we've mentioned the word testy now twice in the show. It was probably the 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 most testy I've seen Greg Lovelady this season. Uh, well, certainly. I mean, he basically said we're going to need to do some soul searching. This is after they lost on Sunday to Ooh, Penn the State. So, he, did he drop the soul searching? He dropped. We're, we've already reached the soul searching point of the season, Jeffrey. Because yeah. what happened is
0: that doesn't sound basically.
1: Good. Penn, Penn State was really beat. It was they were the better team? And uh, you know, Penn State has really struggled in the Big Ten uh, under Rob Cooper. Again, the guy who gave uh, Greg Lovelady his first big shot at coaching. Um, and, and really, he was the guy who loved what he replaced at, at, at in Rice State when when Cooper took the Penn State job. Cooper and Penn State have not really had great success in the Big Ten, but uh, really look like the better team this weekend. Out hit UCF, I believe, it was thirty three to twenty. And if you take away some of the junk runs that junk hits, junk runs that UCF got on Sunday in a blowout loss, uh, it was worse than that. And uh, there was a seventh run. There was a seven run inning. That told that everything. Just caved in on the nights. They they couldn't throw strikes. Everything was bad. So every Lovelady everything
0: was bad.
1: <laughs> everything hashtag everything was bad. Everything was not awesome. Uh, everything was not cool when you're a part of that team because they uh. really did not play well. Um, and so yeah, Love Lady came out with the soul searching. Uh, said that we got to go back to the drawing board on basically everything. And so they come out this week. They've beaten Yale twice. Uh, I don't think that says anything upon
0: anything, <laughs> of, other than is, is other Yale than, good? You know, I mean, I, you know, no. Did they George Bush
2: at, used to play for them at first base?
0: That's true. I don't know.
1: it is I don't know. His, I don't know. I, that's that's great fact if true, but I, I don't bother to look that up. Uh, I, you know, Yale came in at Yale came in at three and sevens, so another three and nine, and um, UCF. You know, they that kind of they just kind of handled their business. So now they get. VCU this weekend. Uh, VCU is thirteen and three, and some of those wins that they've gotten, uh, they, they've beaten North Carolina, uh, and they've also played. I think they played Maryland twice. They lost to Maryland both times, but uh, competitive games. So certainly a, a more competitive. I would say if you if you told me before last weekend who's the harder team, Penn State or VCU, I'd say VCU. And then we saw what Penn State did to UCF. So I don't think these Yale games mean anything other than like, well, it's good to feel good after a really awful, sour weekend. But we're going to see how much this team really learned about itself uh, against VCU um, I, before they head into conference
0: play. I would like to point out that Yale was predicted by Baseball America to be the top team in the Ivy League. Um, wow. That's coming off of a 22-20 and 20 record last year. VCU is predicted to be uh, a second in the – uh, Atlantic Ten behind St. Louis. Um, last year they went 33 and 21. So, um, so there's that. Uh, so,
1: but anyway, if you, you feel better after wins, I mean, breaking news—it's better than losing. That's all I can really good. say about. That's all I can really say about the Yale wins. And so now, a win is get, better than a loss. I mean, really, guys, we're, we're bringing you next level. Like this is why this podcast is put together. So I can bring you. I know same. you're
2: fired up for the win. I know you're fired up. <laughs> By the way, George H.W. Bush did play for Yale.
0: <laughs> um, yes. So I, I, have, I told you, It's true. You. Yeah, he was a team captain. Right? So, yeah.
2: right. so, But I have a serious question, Murph, because we didn't get a chance yes. to address this last week because there was a lot of stuff going on uh, with football violent practice and stuff. But there were some significant injuries right now in the pitching staff in the bullpen for UCF. that is a long-term concern that we didn't get a chance to talk about that I think is Maybe showed his ugly head a little bit here at Penn State and could be moving forward, right?
1: Yeah, and and Love what you know even said on Sunday that some of the guys they trust that bullpen and they're running out of trustworthy guys because of injuries. They're running those guys. They're they're running the guys they trust too hot right now. Like they're they're overusing them um, because their stars are going deep enough in the game. So there's a lot of issues with this team. But to your point, Eric. So. I, you know, Zach Helsel, uh, transferred from uh, – uh, well, he started out at Liberty. Then he went to Juco, and then he's coming to UCF. He was really going to be their seventh inning guy, really high leverage uh, righty, kind of sidearm guy. He uh, had Tommy John surgery last week. He's out for the year. Uh, Joe Sheridan, who most UCF fans know from his standout freshman campaign and very up-and-down sophomore year, uh, it's been ruled out that he will not return this season from his shoulder surgery – which he had at the end of last season. Uh, and then uh, Ryan, I think his name is Ryan Saltonstall. I'm, I'm not even looking at the roster, but I think it's Ryan Saltonstall. He's out for the year with an arm injury. And then there's one other guy that I'm forgetting, and I'm sure Ian McDougall might be listening to this podcast probably hating me as like blank on the Ian fourth guy's name. Ian is literally
0: throwing things right now.
1: I'm sure he is. because I know Ian does listen to this show. Yeah. Uh, but UCF is basically down uh, four... Four pitchers. Uh, oh, oh, um, David Litchfield. David Litchfield, who was expected to come back uh, some some point early in the season before conference play. He's recovering from Tommy John surgery. Loveletty brought him up when talking about important pieces out of their bullpen this year. Uh, he was recovering from Tommy John, but he, apparently he's had complications, so he's out for the year as well. So Sheridan, Litchfield, Salton Stahl, and Helzel are all out, and thus really in that bullpen you have you have basically. Jeffrey Hackinson, your closer, who couldn't find the strike zone to save his life on Sunday. Uh, Garrett Westberg, I'd say Jack Jackson, Claire, uh, and uh, one of the guy again, one of the guy whose name is. This is what happens when I go to basketball. I completely, like, completely lose my mind with baseball.
0: You're covering too many it, sports, Murph.
1: It, they don't have they don't have a lot of, a lot of dependable options in their bullpen, so that's why you know they go to guys who they they need more innings out of like Jalen Whitehead. Uh, and Zach Hunziker, uh you know guys who like so Huntsaker a true freshman, whom they probably were going to redshirt this year, but now they have to pitch him because they're running out of options there, and they need big innings out of him. So, um yeah, and, and you know the way Lovelady wants to win the games is to have his bullpen really sort of win the last nine to twelve outs. I mean, I know he talked about his pitchers; it started being to go deeper, but really, this you know last year, last couple of years. This team's strength has been the back end, back end of its bullpen. And now uh, they've really taken a, quite a few hits already. And uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how this team can deal with it as they go into conference play. This is not – we talked about this last year. The American Conference of Baseball is very, very good. You could, I don't know what the – I don't know if they're part of a P5 or a P6 or a P7 because apparently now it's basketball we they're at a P7. But they are—they're—they're they're one of the top four conferences in in, in college baseball.
0: So you know, uh, <laughs> you're not—it's going to be. Di- oh, go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. It's, it's just going to be difficult, and
1: uh, I, it already feels like this season is going to be a total like tooth and nail grind every weekend.
0: You know, you're not making our friend Sam Unger very happy by saying it like that. I'm just—I'm just trying what? to point that out. He's six, he's seven. <laughs> he's is he, Sam. Sam is messaging me. He's like, I'm in panic mode right now, man. I'm like, I, 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 don't know what to tell you other than it's early. You know, just hang in there, keep the faith.
1: No, no this with this baseball team, it's certainly time to sort of be trepidatious, if, if nothing else, because again,
2: so what? What's the answer here, Murph? Is it do the starters have to go deeper in the games? Is there certain guys that need to step up that weren't really be going to be dependent on? Do they just have to outscore people? What is? What's the what's the what's kind of the resolution, if you will, if they're going to be successful here moving forward this, with those injuries?
1: Yeah, I don't think this team can outscore people. They're not going to be like an ECU um, that that can really like just pound the ball over the yard or something like that. They're going to need to win by pitching, and that means that you know, you know, Grant Sherman, all all three pitchers really this weekend were very inefficient with their pitches. I think Trevor Holloway on Sunday had 102 pitches in I think five and a third. And I think it took Sherman like 99 pitches to go basically the same distance. They're going to need those guys to go at least six and probably more than that, six to a third, six to two thirds, because they need to take some of those outs away from the bullpen because, again, they don't have a ton of guys they feel like they can really trust wholeheartedly right now. And then, you know, secondly, those guys that that the Westbergs and, uh, and uh, Hackensons and guys who are staples of that pen right now, they might need to be used to, to sort of pitching more than expected because again, otherwise, then you're digging with guys who really have not been in the situation before and, and really I don't think have the full trust of the coaching
0: staff yet. So you heard it here, folks. We are not allowed to be uh to rest on our laurels after UCF's eight to one victory over Yale on uh, Wednesday. Um and with the season oh. with this series coming up against VCU, this is gonna be a tough one. By the way, they have the three against VCU and then they go to and then they go to Tallahassee on Tuesday the 19th to play Florida State uh, at six o'clock. And then after that, then next East Carolina. Right next Friday, ECU, yeah, ECU picked pick to win the American by Baseball America um, and the arsenal of guys that they have coming back, Bryant Packard's back, uh, Spencer Brickhouse is back. Obviously, we know Cliff Godwin is still there, so um, this thing's going to start to get pretty heavy uh, real quick for UCF baseball. So keep an eye on Brian at Spokes underscore Murphy for all the latest on uh, UCF baseball. Especially,
1: I'm losing my I'm losing my mind. Especially, especially like spring, we still have to go like, like still have to go to like spring football practice too. It's absolutely insane. I know.
0: But let's, you're not going to learn anything about spring football practice, okay? You don't have to do that. All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um so we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk instead about UCF softball Eric Lopez who uh lost earlier tonight to uh and by tonight I mean Wednesday night to number 7 Florida up in Gainesville uh 5 to nothing, you know, Florida doing Florida things again. Um but uh UCF right now at 17 uh and 9 on the season um even with that loss, they won uh, four of their five games in the uh, Clearwater tournament out uh, out on the West Coast. Uh, beat Seton Hall, St. Joe's, Chattanooga, and St. John's. Um, the only game they lost was to Furman, three to two. Uh, and now they got a pair coming up against Stetson on Saturday, um, and then Princeton next Wednesday before they begin conference play against UConn at home. So, uh, to quote. Uh, the great Tony Kornheiser, where are we now, Eric Lopez?
2: Well, I think they're still trying to fine-tune some things. Uh, You know, they got Stetson doubleheader this Saturday, then a Princeton home game on uh, the following Wednesday, and then they start conference with UConn at home. I mean, look, the Florida game has always been the same storyline. Runs are at a premium. Uh, When you have opportunities, you need to take advantage. UCF had some opportunities early against Kelly Barnhill, who's the All-American former player of the year. Uh, star pitcher for Florida they had some opportunities early didn't get that hit and Florida as they always do do a great job especially at home taking pitches they get some walks and then they get that big hit and before you know it you're down two three runs so you know it wasn't that drastically of a different game that we've seen quite frankly over the years I think the big takeaway now is you know you want to fine-tune yourself offensively I think this offense you know you mentioned the four and one in Clearwater well they didn't they didn't hit well in their one loss against Furman, and that was disappointing. Really, it was the only uh, disappointment of the other of the weekend in Clearwater. they're still up and down offensively, and I think that's going to be the key factor as we get into conference is timely hitting because I think they're I think their pitching good enough to win the league uh, with Elias pitching great. I, I throw out the, the game against Florida. I, I just don't read into much into that, and I think Vasquez is a number two as much solid is solid. So can they get consistent enough hitting? Especially as we get into conference, it's going to be the key, and will determine the the really the fate of this team in 2019. Because I think this team has the t- ability to make the NCAA tournament and be back in Gainesville in two months, where the committee will put them. Because you know that's what right they like back
0: me. where they were. <laughs> that's right, baby. <laughs> um, like we, always are when we look when you look around the um, American, Eric, as like we like I said, we're one. Well, basically, two week one one full weekend away from starting conference play. Um, Wichita right now seven and f- seventeen and five. Houston nineteen and eight. Uh, South Florida is off to a nineteen and ten start. Tulsa's at fourteen and eighty. CU's at fourteen and ten. The only team is really off to a bad start is UConn at four and twelve. Memphis is twelve and ten. Who are you keeping an eye on uh, as the in this final weekend of non-conference play in the American to see? how the league might shake out
2: well it could be just as strong as last year last year the league was number four ranked in college softball so i don't know if that counts as a power four murph or whatever you want to call it oh boy uh, <laughs>
1: is, it a P, is it a p4 We <laughs> might it be a, p4 a, p5 a four?
2: you know yeah yeah i might go with that um but this team this league is good and you mentioned tulsa they were supposedly in a rebuild mode. Because they lost their superstar, Emily Watson, who's the star pitcher. She graduated. Well, they knocked off nationally ranked Arkansas on Wednesday night. So, so much for that. Um, USF is still good with Coric. Uh Houston's really good. Wichita State, there's no reason why this league can't get four teams in again for like they did last year. The good news for UCF, and this is what I like about this. You look at the teams that, you know, the top three teams, we'll say, uh, USF, Houston, and Wichita State all have to come to UCF this year on the schedule. It's it's the way the schedule works out. Those three teams come to UCF this year. So from a scheduling standpoint, UCF has opportunities there. Their toughest road trip will be probably at Tulsa, which is a tough place to play. East Carolina, though, as you mentioned, is even better this year than last year because they had all those kids that last year have kind of grown up to sophomores. So this league is is tough. And that's why, again, I go back to it's going to come down to timely hitting with this team. This team has shown their ability at times to hit with runners in score position and explode, and at times they have it. And uh, I think that will determine their fate because I think the pitching, Aliyah's pitching well, she's throwing well, and I like Vasquez as a number two. I think this is their best staff they've had since 2016, which coincidentally was the last time they made the NCAA tournament and we are of course, in Gainesville. So, well, Leah White uh, did
0: win uh, player or pitcher of the week this past yeah. week uh, for the uh, in the American... By the way, um... I love the graphics that the UCF uh, graphic department's been coming up with, like on the social graphics for the picture of the week. It kind of has a like shout that... out to
2: Kelly. I mean, Murph's yeah. giving out shout outs to UCF SIDs all over the board. You might as well. Let's just, let's
0: run the, the gauntlet. The, I love, the, I love the, the uh, I love the, 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 the sort of baseball cursive script that they kind of use there on that. Kind of yeah. neat. I like, <laughs> I dig that. I think, you know, baseball and softball, baseball and softball should be written in cursive wherever possible. Um, All right, so uh, the schedule, like we mentioned, coming up, UCF does not have a uh, home game again for softball um, until uh, Wednesday, March the 20th, although their next two games, like we said, uh, are at Stetson. So if you want to make the trip up to DeLand, 2 o'clock. Two games against Saturday starting at 2 o'clock against uh, our old friends, the Hatters of Stetson. Next uh, home game for UCF is Wednesday against... um, Princeton. All right. Real quick, want to catch everybody up on uh, tennis? Men's tennis um, dropped their two big matches that they had um, over the weekend. Uh, On Sunday, they lost four to three to Wake Forest at home, and it was a a really tight one. That was a tough loss. Number two team in the country that they lost to by one match, Um, and they also lost to number four Virginia four to one. Right after, by the way, beating three straight ranked teams, so um, they got to get back on track again on Thursday uh, against uh, Texas Tech, ranked number 32 at home once once again. Um, They're right now they're eight and seven, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, ranked number 33 in the country uh, as of right now. So um, that's what we're going with based on these rankings uh, that I see on the site. So. Try, again, it's it's one of those things where Eric is like the RPI. Like you, you move up even when you play a ranked team, um, a team ranked above you, right?
4: Yeah,
2: no, I so. mean he's played a tough schedule, and <laughs> that, that they're, schedule's they're ridiculous,
0: it's man. It's <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I mean, That's I get I don't it. Pay That's great. Into
2: the rankings, Right now, I mean, I remember we've had him on here, and he's like, don't don't look at it right now. You look at it you know, later because they're the they take well, the other. i not not going to get into the whole?
0: What are we going to talk play. about, man? Like we, we got content to make out here. Um, uh, we need
2: to show up in person <laughs> and tell them.
0: You know? I don't know what to tell um, Women's tennis, uh, by the way, um, they are 14-2, and two, uh, having beaten SMU earlier on Wednesday, 6-1. to one. Ranked number 46 is SMU. The women's tennis team is ranked 28th. Uh, by the way, they also beat Penn. Um, and, of course, last week they beat Miami of Ohio, a 7 to nothing. So... Um, they are in the catbird seat right now with uh, Wichita State, Tulsa, and then Illinois coming up uh, in the next uh, in the next couple weeks here. So, uh, again, do what we haven't done yet and head down to the College Collegiate Tennis Center at the USDA National Campus. Check out UCF Tennis next uh, couple weeks. All right, and a couple of other things that, um, a couple other news notes that I wanted to pass along as we finish up here on the site right now. Um, Cal Bloom, who played tight end for UCF, uh for four years graduated in uh, 2016 um since then tried his hand at pro football didn't work out uh he it has just been announced he is joining the wwe performance center it's kind of like the farm system for the wwe it's based actually in orlando um and he will be uh they're, they're hoping that he will uh make his way onto the wwe nxt roster as a uh, as a professional wrestler here. By the way, sometimes they do shows at my work at Full Sail University, so if you get the chance to check it out, make sure you try to. Um, Bloom is a big kid. He's 6'4", 250. At least that's what he was listed at uh, when he was at UCF. His dad was a professional wrestler, Wayne Bloom, uh, and he wrestled under the name Bo Beverly. He was part of the Beverly Brothers tag team uh, with Mike Enos. So he spent one year in WCW, Two years in then WWF. So, um, so for Cal, uh, 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 wrestling, professional wrestling in particular, um, runs in the family. So, uh, congrats to Cal. Hope we'll, hopefully, we'll get to see him on NXT sometime in the uh, in the coming um, in the coming months. And uh, one last uh, happy trails uh, that we want to pass along uh, to uh, Andy Seeley, who it was announced last week is leaving UCF. He's the uh, head of the sports, communi- uh, sports Communications Information Department. He will be uh, leaving to take over the same job, leading it for the Mountain West Conference, the entire conference. So um, we wanted to uh, pass along um, tremendous thanks to uh, Andy for all of his support. He's been a guest on the show before. Remember when the hurricanes were passing through, we were trying to get um, – a- and. It- Things were going crazy. We were trying to figure out like what was going to happen with games. Andy helped us out with a lot of information. He's been at UCF for quite a while. Has done a fantastic job with the department, and uh, we're going to miss him here on the show. So, um, congratulations to Andy. Um, job well done. We're going to miss you down here in Orlando. And if we start hearing about a Power Seven campaign coming out of the Mountain West Conference, we know who to blame. <laughs> P7. Yeah. So, so congrats Andy. Thanks again. Uh no, um, very good. what will be what will we be uh what will be we blech, God, I can't talk. What are we going to be working on this week, uh, fellas, with the tournament coming up? Anything interesting, fun coming up down the line for you, Mr. Murphy first?
1: Just I don't know. How about You're just
0: trying to you're uh, just trying to stave off jet lag. Why am I even asking you?
1: How about 13 hours worth of sports? I'm gonna, try, of, to I'm gonna try to show up. Thirteen Z's in sports. <laughs> I have so many Z's. There's gonna be a buzzer beater somewhere, so watch out for a hashtag sports with the six Z's on the end because we know it's gonna happen. Uh, Big sports. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a great weekend. I, I the tournament. Like, look, right now, I am I am not watching Golden State Warriors versus the Houston Rockets. I'd much rather watch a Pittsburgh-Syracuse game, which is literally sending basketball
0: back 20 years. I'm a Syracuse fan, and I don't want to watch that right now. Because I'm it just means not
1: so much more this time of year. I mean, Syracuse, it's a, Syracuse needs to get that win. So it's just so fun to watch. Also, okay. if I may they're take They're going to try
0: really hard not to get it. Trust me. I've oh, seen and this before. They're,
1: and they're losing right now, Jeffrey, at the half. <laughs> so don't you worry. They're trying their damnedest not to get it. Yep. Uh, if I may take a minute. I uh, need to redeem myself from a really bad baseball segment where I couldn't remember people's names. And one name I didn't mention, which is really important because he's really been Yusef's best reliever this year, is Kyle Kemp. Because Kyle Kemp has 16 Ks and four walks and 11 and 10 scoreless innings this year. Uh, we talked about all the issues with their bullpen, uh, talked about how their closer couldn't find the strike zone and all these issues. Kyle Kim has been the, 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 the guy that, that love Lady could turn to at any point and lean on, and, and he's been great. So, of the, you know, you've got four guys. Again, resetting the table here, four guys. Jack Sinclair, Kyle Kim, Garrett Westbrook, Jeffrey Hackinson, or Jeffrey Hakinson, I should say. Other than that, it's kind of a mismatch of we don't really know what we got. We're going to have to figure it out on the fly, and that's what is going to be a problem for this team as they head the conference tournament. I had to say that because I felt like the I didn't do it any justice 15 minutes ago but again I'm am very tired listen, I haven't slept all day Listen and you're not I'm the,
0: we're not the guys you need to explain yourself to you, you take it up with Ian Ian's so mad at me right now yeah. Lopez what do you I'm got serious.
2: he hasn't even been to Beale Street yet oh, um, all right. By <laughs> the way Murph how proud are you of Jeff there was a wrestling converse to topic that took place in the show conversation content of wrestling and neither you or i were involved in it how about that i've got my new favorite pro wrestlers
0: i got my new favorite pro wrestlers cal blue good for you there you go so
2: <laughs> well there you go uh, i'm, I'm jumping you know on the,
0: get... i'm jumping on board early man i am on the cal i am i'm i've reserved my they, seat
2: if they, they do do uh their shows at nxt tapings at full sale so i'd like to think that you have an opportunity to catch them there um when he gets to that point um but anyway so uh got content right now on the site got an uh, article i wrote about bj taylor and taco fall about how they've cemented their legacies no matter what happens the rest of the way helping this program with the the, the accomplishments they have had leading this program to the nit uh on the verge here of the ncaa tournament and, and both of them have had setbacks they've had adversity uh, throughout their careers it was not a smooth thing but I make the argument in the article that while, you know, guys like a Jermaine Taylor, certainly the best player in the program history, I'm not sure there's been two more important uh, and influential players in the history of this program than B.J. Taylor and Taco Fall. So you can read about that and I explain it on Black and Go Banneret. We got men's basketball TV numbers on the banneret up there right now. Um, and I'm going to give a shout out to Megan Herbuff because she's the only SID that hasn't gotten a shout out on this episode. <laughs> <of Washington. laughs> So I will give it to her because she is the SID of women's basketball, and if mm-hmm. they, they make the tournament officially on Monday, she has made the NCAA tournament in every sport that she has worked under at UCF. She was uh, two years with softball. She was the, They went to the NCAA's women's soccer tournament. She's done, I mean, the dynasty with rowing. Jeff could tell you more about the rowing dynasty. She's been involved in that, track and field, now women's hoops, so. Shout out to We're, Megan, so now it every not complete. Let's
0: not jinx it. Place. Let's not jinx it for her sake, please.
1: Don't jinx it. it. it you know,
0: I'm, I'm thinking stuff.
1: if we want, I'm thinking if we want UCF football to get in this, get into the CFP, we need to get Megan on the on the job. That's right. right. Like that's Megan, what's holding. That's what's holding yeah.
0: us back. That's holding right. back.
2: <laughs> well, we would have to probably clone her in that scenario. You
0: Work know? <laughs> on hey. that.
2: So shout out to. you. Does a great job. <laughs> Uh, as always on that end. Shout out to Murph, because make sure you follow Murph. He's going to be in Memphis. He's going to be there for every dribble of the American Conference Championships. Adam Amin is expecting you to talk to him. Because, <laughs> uh, I talked to Adam on the phone, and he was bummed out he couldn't we couldn't come on the show. But he's like, is Murph going to be there? And I told him about Murph, so everybody is looking forward to that. Wow. Uh,
0: follow yeah, we're going to play Where in the World is Brian Murphy this weekend. That's it's right. Him
1: next couple weeks yeah I mean this week this week Memphis next week San Jose next week Boise I don't know let's
0: go TBD man so
1: So Merv's gonna be there all week uh, in Memphis for the
2: conference championship and then, uh, Jeff, I think we can announce this. We will be uh, we will be doing a, probably an emergency podcast, or I don't, I don't like to say emergency. It's not really like uh,
0: uh, probably. It's a not unexpected. Edi- a scheduled <laughs> emergency podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. A special. Edition. Does that make it
0: a drill? Right. I mean, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah.
0: So yeah, so, I mean, we, team, we'll be doing. Yeah, we'll be doing a we'll be doing a March Madness podcast. Uh, um, we're working on seeing if we can get a couple guests on. Uh, for that, But uh, but yeah, again, Selection Sunday. We're going to see where UCF uh, heads to most likely. I mean, you never want to count your chickens where they hatch, but uh, we're feeling pretty good about it at this point. Don't forget the women's selection show is Monday. That's where we find out where the UCF women will and play it, as well. It
2: would be historic, by the way. It would be the first time both the men and the women make the NCAA tournament in the same year if it happens.
0: That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. So we have that to look forward to, which is nice. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Blackandgoldbanneret.com is where you want to go, part of SB Nation. Uh, Don't forget to follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, Spokes underscore Murphy. Follow also uh, all of our other guys as well, um, including Luke Saris, who's been doing a lot of good work for us. Jeremy Brenner's been doing some work. Zach Goodall, who, uh, by the way, is... um, is crying in his uh, is crying in his Jacksonville Jaguars uh, pillow right now because uh the Jags signed Nick Foles to a spectacular contract. Um
2: have <laughs> yeah, fun with that. And uh,
0: and, and and the word came disastrous contract. Yeah, and and word came down actually late tonight that uh, Blake Bortles has been released. Oh, uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars which was not a surprise I but it, but Lopez don't I you don't you realize that this paves the way for him to redeem himself? With the Miami Dolphins, don't you realize that? Why
3: didn't, he oh,
1: just,
2: Je- why didn't he just go to the Giants there? I hear you know there's great up op- make me great openings there. Since they're getting rid of everybody, that's good.
1: Well, Eric, it's too Eric, it's too soon. Come on now, it's not. <laughs> no,
0: I'm not going Jeff. there. I'm not going there.
1: Jeff, don't, Jeff, you've already been on record as to where you think Blake Borough should play next, and it's really a, an illustrious job.
0: Yeah, New England
1: backup. Please, you've already mentioned AF. About six Oh, times. yeah,
0: that's right. Well, you could go to the Apollos. You never know. The Actually, I, I don't know. if I, Maybe not. The Apollos are undefeated with Garrett Gilbert. Why would they want to shake it up? <laughs> yeah. so. Well,
2: the Dolphins is not out of the question. They're talking to Teddy Bridgewater as we tape this. So if they don't get Bridgewater, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, who knows? Hey, I'm looking forward to the Dolphins and Giants battling out for the number one pick for the next foreseeable future.
0: Oh, it's going to be great. I'm, the fan tanking mm-hmm. is going to be strong with this one over here between those two. <laughs> Um, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a blast uh, and oh yeah, congrats to uh, Latavius Murray who also signed a, a deal with the Saints earlier today. That's a heck of a move. Yeah, that's, that's a very that, cool move. With Mark Ingram moving on, he's there. gonna be uh, so that unites two UCF guys, Tracon Smith and uh, and Latavius Murray. So congrats to Latavius. By the way, to Latav- by the way
2: Rash- Rashad Perriman, who was going to go to Cleveland, is not gonna go to Cleveland because they got some receiver named Odell Beckham was pretty good at football. Never heard of uh, him. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, Perriman now is going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because of that. He's going to sign with the Bucs.
0: So, uh, there's your late breaking NFL free agent news right here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, which you can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret for all the latest uh, on UCF players past and present. Um, you can also uh, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. For Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy and all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm Jeff Sharon saying. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on Selection Sunday. Find out where the Knights are going in the NCAA tournament. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you later.